it's not really about the tree or the lights or the presents or, or, or the food. Or, you know, all those things are awesome. Thank you, bro. It's, it's not really, uh, you know, it's not about any of that stuff, but it's about Christ. It's the first six letters in Christmas. Christ and Him and the price that He paid and the gift that He was to us and, and the life change that he, that he brought that each of us could, could have life. I think, you know what, I think what we ought to do is just take one moment and just give him one more round of applause. Let's give it up to Jesus tonight, because he's really what it's all about. Thank you, God. Thank you. Come on, just celebrate. Thank you, Lord. Magnify you. Magnify you. Amen. You know, we just think about life and, and think about some of the struggles and the challenges that we face. At this time of year, it can be really difficult for people. You know, it seems like, you know, tis the season to be jolly, but yet on the other side of the coin, it's, a really, it's really a hard season for a lot of people because, you know, they, they, they might be going to, a, you might head to a table later tonight and there's chairs that are now empty that once were full. Or, it, it, or you know, who knows what, what's happened that might try to suck the joy right out of Christmas. But I want to encourage you tonight to, to not let your mind stay riveted on what's lacking. But you got to look at what's been given. And you got to look at what you, is available to receive. And you got to realize that, you know, Christmas was God's idea. Not something that you and I came up with, but this was God's big idea. Look at somebody tell them this was God's big idea. You know, Christmas is, is, is the ability for you and I to, to connect with God. Without it, well, we would just be lost. There'd be no hope. But the reality is, is that God had a plan. And it's not a plan that, that, that he just came up with on the spur, but it's very well thought out. And, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, most of us around here can quote that, right? For we know the thoughts and the plans that God has for us. Plans to prosper us, not harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. The, the Message Bible says that God knows what he's doing. He has it all planned out. Plans to give you the future you're hoping for. How many of you know that God knows what he's doing? I said God knows what he's doing. Sometimes, though, in the middle of that plan, it can seem as though maybe we've missed it. You know, may, maybe we've wandered off the trail so far that we're not going to collide with the plan that God has for us. Because certainly all of this trouble, all of this chaos, all of this, you know, upheaval, this couldn't possibly be God. But God has an ability to do what you and I could never dream of doing. He can take things that don't look good, feel good, smell good, taste good, and somehow he can turn it and make it good. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that this is something that we know, that all things work together for our good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. The Bible talks about his ability to take even what the enemy intends as evil and to turn it and to use it for our good. If, we, if you and I could just stay on course and just make it to the end, Sometimes right in the middle, you know, right in the middle of a thing, it's hard to see the hand of God at work. It's hard to understand how this could possibly work out. But God has it all planned out. And he's going to, he's going to cause you to have a collision with real life. And that's what Christmas is about, is the collision that mankind is going to have with life. See, because clear back in the beginning, when, when God was, was creating things, and, 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 you know, and, he's, and he started talking, how many know that when God talks, stuff happens? And he, he even says in his word that my word will not return unto me void without accomplishing the very purpose for which I sent it forth to accomplish. Think about that for a minute. That's an awesome statement. 
My word will not come back to me without fulfilling the purpose for which I sent it. Man, that's powerful. You, you know, uh, the promises of God, you know, the promises of God, they are for us. But they weren't actually made to us. That we get them. The Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. You know what that means? That any promise that you find in that book, you can reach out by faith, take a hold of it, and stand on it. And if you'll stand there long enough, let me tell you what's going to happen. That word's going to fulfill itself. Book of Luke says no word from God will ever fail. There have been moments in our life, Shelby and I, you know, with 32 years of marriage, we've had moments where we've had to cling to a promise when it didn't look like, you know, things weren't looking the way we thought it would look. It, it wasn't going the way that we thought it would go. I'm sure there's many of you that can testify tonight that you've been in the middle of a battle, and when you look back, you can, you know, it's like David said, I look behind me, and you were there. And I look out in front, and you're out there too. But sometimes right where you stand, it's hard to see God. It's hard to see him working in that. But we look behind us and we say, well, that is amazing how God took us through that situation. Even the things that we thought were, were, were just no way that God could use it, somehow he's used it for good. But in his promise, when he said, my word shall return unto me, see, it's a promise that you and I get, we get to cling to, we get to hope, we, we get to stand on it, but it's actually a promise he made himself. Because God is holy and he's righteous and he's faithful and, and, and he never changes. And when he speaks, what he says happens. And God made a promise to himself every time he speaks. And he upholds it with, well, it's the, it's the word of his power. It's the word of his power. And when he, and, and when he, was, you know, when he was creating and, and he said, let's, let's make man in our image. He's talking about the human. Human is two words put together make one word, humus and man. Humus is dirt. Man is spirit. And that, that's what makes us, you know, who we are is that we are a spirit that's living in a body. And he, and he took him and he said, let's give them, speaking of humans, he said, let's give them dominion over the whole earth. And when God said it, see, God doesn't go back on his word. So in reality, uh, what, what he did was he released dominion on the earth into, into our possession. Let's give man dominion over all the earth. So mankind, human, they, they took up dominion. You have dominion today because of Jesus, because you've been reinstated with what we lost in the garden. Adam and Eve, you know the story, they fell, they made, they, they made the wrong choice, and, and, and dominion was messed up, but, but God had an idea. God had an idea that would repair all that brokenness. God had a, an idea that would reinstate man with his purpose and with his plan. God had an idea, not, not like you and I would have an idea, he had an idea that was so well thought out. It's an idea that he had every intention of sharing with mankind. And in the book of John, it starts off by saying, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word there is logos, and it's not just the written Word, it's not just the spoken Word, but it's an idea that God has every intention of expressing. And so you can read it this way, in the beginning was the idea. And the idea was with God. And the idea was a part of God. Look at verse 2. And the, I, and, and the idea was, was the beginning with God. Verse 3 says that all things were made simply because of this idea. And without that idea, nothing was made that was made. I love verse 4. And in that idea, there was life. And the life was the light of men. In that idea, there was life. There was life. There's more joy than sorrow. More life than death. More peace than chaos. More hope than despair more provision than lack, more healing than sickness. God had an idea. 
Man, he, he, he saw the, you know, the condition that man was going to be in, but he had an idea and he knew how to, re, how to repair it. In verse 14, in, in that same chapter, it says, and, and the word became flesh. Man, think about it this way. God's idea took on flesh and it came and, and it dwelt among us. And, and we beheld the glory of that idea. And guess what? And it's like the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. God had an idea in the beginning. Christmas. That's what Christmas is. It's the fulfillment of God's idea, how he's going to restore mankind back to himself, how he's going to reach into devastation and pull out hope and healing and health and restoration. And that's God's plan for each and every one of us tonight. That God's plan isn't to leave us hopeless. It isn't to leave us helpless. But it's to cause us to reconnect with the life that he had planned for us. The truth is that God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. We are his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, made new that we might do the good works that he predestined or planned ahead of time for us to do so that we can live the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. God has something amazing for each and every one of us. Sometimes, like I said, in the middle, it seems as though how, how could any of this work for any good at all? See, you just got to hold on. You got to hold on to that promise. You got you to say, you know what? That promise is mine, and I'm not going to be separated from that promise. I'm going to allow God to have his way in my life, and I'm going to live life God's way. Because, you know, can I just tell you something about the ways of God? They're perfect. He's perfect in all of his ways. And you might not understand that that's okay because the Bible says that his thoughts, they're not like our thoughts. His ways, they're not like our ways. God's way, he's going to work it out. But how could God take this and, and, and make it good? How could, he, how could he get me out of this circumstance that I'm in? How could he change this situation? And you've and you got to realize that so many, so many people have asked that same question. And we've all asked that question at one point. Yeah, but you don't understand my situation. My situation's hard. Well, you remember the promise that, that God gave a little girl? And her name was Mary. And an angel showed up at her house. And he starts making promises. She's going to give birth to a child. And that child is going to bring life to mankind. Problem, though, is that that promise, you know, it's kind of a hard one to take because she's just a young girl. She's unwed. This isn't going to go over real well. And, and, and the promise of God and, 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 and the vision that he's painting on the canvas of her heart, you know, man, man, if, if, if she, just think about it. If you are going to carry, you're going to be impregnated with the vision of God, with the purpose of God, well, certainly things are going to start snapping together, man. Stuff's going to start going really well. The first problem is that the guy that she's never met, that she's been promised to in marriage, we got to win him over. That's kind of a problem. I, I, I can bet you that the mind storms that she dealt with were unmeasurable. And then he finally clicks on and, and, and okay, we're going to do this thing. And this is, this, is, this is a move of God. This is a promise of God. And then there's a tax in the land. And, and Joseph, you know, he, he comes in, he brings her the bad news because she's nine months pregnant. We got to go at least 120, maybe more than 120 miles. How are we getting there? You're riding on a donkey. I got to tell you something. There ain't nothing comfortable about riding on a donkey. And if you're nine months pregnant, that's the last thing you want to hear. And then when they get to where they're going, her husband didn't even bother to make a reservation. 
and they show up and, and there's no room. And you know, at Christmas time, we usually have the little plays and we got the little kids and the little angels and all of this cuteness is up here. And we got, we got this pretty little manger and everybody's laid out there. Can I tell you something? That was, there's no reality in that picture. There was nothing cute about where they wound up. There was nothing pretty. It was a feeding trough. It stunk. It was uncomfortable. It was a mess. Wait a minute. Surely this isn't how God is going to fulfill his promise. It doesn't make any sense. No, this isn't the way I'd do it. Well, Proverbs 14, 12 says that there's a way that seems right to you, but the end isn't going to turn out real well. You need to stop focusing on the way and start focusing on the end and allow God to direct the way. Because if you'll allow him to direct the way, you'll end up at the end that he promised at your beginning. And God had a plan and all kinds of horrible, hard things. You know, a jealous king decides to try to rid himself of every child under the age of two because he, he's heard that this king is rising up and he's coming from a child and, and, and they're murdering kids. And let me tell you something about the Roman soldiers. They didn't do, you know, just kind of a half-baked job. They'd rather go back and say, well, we, we, we killed all the boys and we might have got some girls too. They'd rather say that than, well, we might have missed a couple of boys. No, and we're talking about trauma. The situation wasn't pretty. It wasn't comfortable. But look at the end result. Because he had an idea. And he knew how to work things together for good. And he has the same idea for your life. See, what he wants to do is he wants to, he wants to have almost like an extreme makeover opportunity with you. I don't know about you guys, but do you watch those shows, you know, the makeover shows where they go in and they get a house and they go to work on the house. And when they're done with the house, you look at the house and you go, dang, I want to move there. I wish that would happen at my place. You know, an extreme makeover where somebody from the outside finds this family and they see a potential that the family that was living there couldn't see. And they send the family away. And, and, and the outsider shows up and they have skills and talents and abilities to do things that the people that live there could have never done. And the outsider who comes in to do all that work is also willing to pay a price that the people who live there would have never been able to afford. That's what Christmas is about. It's the extreme makeover for your life that God offers through relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus looks at you and he sees a potential that quite often you overlook. He sees a purpose that you might not have even gotten close to even understanding yet. Well, just keep pressing in. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Man, man get, get, your, get your eyes riveted on him. It, it, he's, the, he's the thing. He's the one. He's the strength. He's the plan. He can see a potential you can. And he has the ability to do some things you and I, we could never do, especially on our own. He has tools. He has talent. He has ability. He understands us. And he understands the purpose. But more importantly, is he's willing to pay a price that you and I, we could never afford. In just a few moments, we're, we're, we're going to be partaking together of communion. And we're going to be taking emblems, you know, and, and a little piece of bread that represents his body. We're going to take a little cup that represents his blood. And we're coming to the table of remembrance. And as the ushers get ready, go ahead, guys, and just begin to, just begin to pass those emblems out. And when you get your emblem, just hang on to it. We'll all partake together at the end. And we have open communion here. If you're a believer, you are invited to join us in communion tonight. But I just want to remind you that Christmas... Man, it, it, it's, it's bigger than a, than a tree that's lit and a star that's on the top. It's bigger than the gifts under the, under the tree. It's bigger than the dinner that we're going to have. It's an amazing 
makeover opportunity that God has for each of us. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's new. Aren't you glad that you're new in Christ? Thank you. Any man be in Christ, he's new. Old things, they've passed away. They lose their grip. Everything becomes new. Everything becomes new. Tonight, what we want to do is embrace that newness. We want to embrace the gift that God offers through relationship with Jesus. And I'm just going to have everybody in this room pray a prayer with me. And if you're here tonight, and I don't know, maybe the circumstances of life, maybe the situations that you've been through, maybe the hardships that you've endured, maybe the trauma that, that you've had to live through, may, maybe, you know, the disappointment, maybe some of those things have caused you to become separated from God. In just a moment, when we pray this prayer, I just want you to make it yours. I want you to get personal with Jesus. And I want you just to allow him to begin an extreme makeover in your life. And I want you to lift your eyes above your current situation and look to the end, the fulfillment of his promise. Because God's big idea was to bring life to you, to bring hope to you, to bring restoration to you. Yeah, but you don't know the things I've done wrong, and you don't know the, the, you know, the missteps I've taken and, and the choices that I've made, and some of them willingly. It's not like I was even tricked. I knew I was doing wrong. You know what? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. There, there is a gift that he offers, forgiveness. And he, he, he forgives. And the Bible says that if we are willing to confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can have a life change tonight. You can leave here a new creation. You can leave here filled with hope. You can, you can leave here knowing that, you, you know what, when I reach the, the end result, it's going to be better than my current condition. Because that's God's big idea. That's what Christmas is about. It's about reconnecting us with the purpose and the plan of God. You don't have to live another moment separated from the peace of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God. You can know the love of God in ways like never before. Maybe, maybe you've never prayed what we might call the sinner's prayer. Maybe you've prayed it a hundred times. What I'm asking you to do tonight is to recognize that, you know, I've, I've allowed myself to slip. I'm not, I'm not living God life. I want you to make this prayer your prayer. Man, I, I want you to know that God's for you and he's not against you. He's not trying to harm you. He's trying to help you. And maybe, maybe this entire event has been set up and orchestrated just to get you in this room so that by the Spirit of God, he could just talk to you and he could touch you in a way that would change you forever and that you'd realize that he started clear back in the beginning with an idea to reach you. And his word took on the form of human flesh. And he came and, and, and he lived a life that was without sin. And then he took on the sin of all of us so that you and I could be liberated, set free. So you wouldn't have to live in fear anymore. So that you would know that if you are in Christ, there's therefore now no more condemnation. And we can be led by the Spirit of God, not, not driven by the fear that, that causes us to live separated from God. So what I want us to do, if, if you would, if you just close your eyes and bow your head real quick. 
And I just want everybody in this place, pray this prayer with me. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Give me hope. Give me strength. Give me vision. I choose to live for you every day of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer and, 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 you're, and you think, well, what difference does that make? It's everything. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. So I just encourage you tonight that after that prayer and as we partake of communion and before, before the night's over, tell somebody, I'm new. That's all you got to do. I'm new. I'm in Christ. And launch forward into the future that God has for you. And don't ever live another day separated from the life that we have in Christ. See, the brokenness that we've all endured, maybe pieces of your life have been ripped off and, and, and it's almost like scattered across the countryside. God's arm is long enough he can reach out and pick up those pieces. And he can bring it back. He can put you back together again. I'm telling you, he can put you back together again. See, it's called the table of remembrance. And one of the things I love about the word remember, the prefix re means to bring back to the original state of. And the members, you know, it's like a body and it's many members. And life, life might have ripped you apart and, and spit you out, but God has the ability to go get those members and bring it back and put you back together again. And just like his body was broken for you and me, when his body was broken so that ours could be made whole. And that little, that little piece of bread that you're holding in your hand, that represents his broken body. And we're believing God tonight that as we partake together of this, that there's going to be some restoration that begins in your life right here and right now. Dreams are going to be restored. Relationships can be revived. Emotions can be healed. Hello, somebody. We're talking about an amazing thing that God has done. This is bigger than, than just a, a religious ceremony we're doing. This is us saying, okay, God, let the makeover begin. Because your body was broken, I'm going to cling to wholeness. I want you to hold that, that, that little piece of bread up and just, just, just hold it up there. And Father, right now, we just celebrate that, that because of Jesus, because of that little baby that was laid in a feeding trough and wrapped in torn up rags, because of that perfect life that allowed his body to be broken for us, we now have wholeness. We celebrate it this Christmas. We receive the gift that you gave. And we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, let's partake together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I just thank you that broken dreams are coming back together. I thank you, Father, that the disruption that sin can cause in the life of a man or a woman is having a collision with great peace right now. We celebrate it. That cup, that represents the shed blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus doesn't cover our sin so we can hide it, but it washes it away. 
And we are no longer sinners separated from God. The Bible says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we can now be called the children of God. Because of this blood, we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father through Christ. And He is now our Father. And He's a Father who loves us with an amazing love. And as we lift that cup up, Father, tonight we just thank you that that price was paid, that that blood was shed, that we are now free, and we are in the family of God. You are an awesome Father. Thank you for the price that was paid. Thank you for Christmas being made real in our lives right here tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, let's partake together. Thank you, Lord. I just want to share one more thought with you before the team carries us on through the rest of the program tonight. But at Christmas time, when you receive a gift, it's probably best if you don't just put it back and leave it under the tree. You need to, you need to open it, experience it, and carry it with you. And the gift that we receive through relationship with Jesus is not a gift that we should lay back and put it back under the tree. Don't spend another day separated from the gift that God's given us. Don't spend another moment forgetting about the gift, but embrace the gift. Because this life, this life is bigger than any problem that we have. This life is going to lead you and it's going to guide you. And that life is going to come alive on the inside of you and it's going to change you forever. So today, what I think we should do is celebrate that gift. I think that we should get prepared to share that gift. I think that we should just get to know that gift. We should experience that gift. Make it more. Man, it's not a religious experience, but it's an intimate relationship that we get to have with Jesus Christ himself. And the word that became flesh is going to become part of you too. It's gonna, the word's going to become flesh. Get into the word of God. Let God's word begin to change the way you think. And that'll change the way you feel. And that'll change the choices you make. And that'll change the actions that you, that you, that you participate in. That, that'll, that'll change the, the habits that you, that you develop. And that'll change the character that you possess. And that'll change the end results that you experience. Get in the word and celebrate the word. Christmas. Man, Christmas can come alive in you. Would you do me one more favor? Will you stand up on your feet one more time? And let's give God a hand and thank you. Come on, somebody celebrate Christmas tonight. Thank you, Lord. We magnify you. Good. 